stack of books, the gift edition. I'm Steve Scher. I'm Nancy Pearl. And uh, Keith Cook. Jennifer Collins Fredericks. Sarah Hunter. Peter Curtis. Carolyn Curtis. Shuko Hashimoto. Paula Brecky. Katie Sewell. Carol Ann Weaver. Judy Ostro. All right, Nancy. Jennifer said a couple weeks ago that this would be a good time to talk about gifts. But you, a woman who has been searching high and low, have something have something profound to tell us. I, I, you know, I couldn't wait for this morning because I have been in such a funk for the last uh, six months of just not finding a lot of things that I've been enjoying reading. And then I decided I would go back and reread two of my old favorites. And they are so wonderful that I just, I ha- I just cannot stop talking about them. The first one is a novel by Pete Dexter. Pete Dexter wrote um, The Paper Boy. He wrote a novel called Deadwood. Um, And this novel, though, is the novel that he was born to write. It's an autobiography. It's it's his story. It's the story of a young boy growing up, um, uh, becoming a newspaper man, becoming a novelist, and the writing is absolutely fabulous. You just get such a sense of both Pete Dexter and um, and the character Spooner that he's created, and the interesting thing is, is that usually I think books are too long. I always object. I, you know, I think they should just have been edited way, way, way down. This book in the in the afterword, which I, which I urge you to read as well. He um, he says that when when he when he finished the book originally, it was like 200 pages longer than it is now. And as you can see, it is not a little book. And I just thought, oh, I wish I had those 200 pages to read. I, you know, I didn't want to leave Spooner behind. And I, and the characters, um, it reminded me of two other books, not in subject matter, two other novels, not subject matter, but in the feel of the books. And one of them, both also older titles, The Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy. If you liked that, I, I think you'll get the same sense. And that wonderful... Um, other Pacific Northwest writer, as uh, Pete Dexter and and Mrs. Dexter, as he calls his wife, live uh, part of the time at least on Whidbey Island. Um, but the other book is James uh, David James Duncan's The Brothers K. Did did anybody just do you remember that about mm-hmm. the Chance family? Uh, so though th- this book Spooner, I you know. Um, it was published, I think, in 2000 and early in the 2000s. Um, you can still get it wireless you know, as an ebook. You can find it used, and Seattle Public Library has 10 copies, and I know King County has many copies as well. It is don't miss it. It is so wonderful. So that's the novel that I that I reread. So before you go on, yes. what is it about? These are all kind of books about people's. Families, right. people settled in, home <laughs> again. Yes. What is it about Pete Dexter that uh, makes him such a great writer? Pete Dexter, a, a lot of Pete Dexter's novels have a lot of violence associated with them. The Paper Boy is not an easy novel to read. It begins with the line, the Paper Boy begins with the line, my brother Ward was once a famous man. 
I mean, that's a fabulous first line, but pe- but his brother Ward's life and his life are not easy lives to read about. Deadwood, as you might imagine, um, which has, you know, some of you might have seen the, progr- the, ser- the HBO, mm-hmm. I think it's HBO yeah. series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's some controversy about, you know, who created that. But um, there's a lot of violence in most of his books. In this book, there is no violence. There is there is a terrible barroom fight, um, which there was in Pete Dexter's own life. And he just is able to, to give you enough about a character so that you know everything about him. Um, his, the Spooner's younger half-brother, his name Darwin, because his father refused to have a child called Clarence, so they named him Darwin. And, and he loves to be carried around when he's a baby upside down, like sort of like a plucked chicken, you know, by the legs. And I mean, just knowing that about Darwin kind of tells you, uh, whatever it tells you, it told me, I felt it told me a lot. He's a wonderful, wonderful writer. And um, oh my gosh, this book just was so much fun to read. When did that book come out? 2009, so pretty recently. What's your nonfiction book? My nonfiction book. Oh. Now, I have a problem with memoirs, although I recently listed on Twitter and Facebook nine wonderful memoirs, and this was one of them. Um, I, you know, I, 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 egocentricity does not thrill me, and, you know, the first two letters of memoir are M-E. Um, <laughs> But here is a fabulous memoir, particularly, well, it's called Burning the Days, and it's by um, a novelist named um, uh, James Salter, S-A-L-T-E-R, Burning the Days, and then colon recollection, recollection, yeah. Pete, uh, uh, I'm so excited about this book, I can't talk about it. James Salter um, graduated from um, West Point in 1943 uh, and became a pilot. Uh, he joined, you know, was in the fledgling, what, what was the Air Force in World War II. And much of this book is taken up with his experiences during during the end of that war, the very end of World War II, and Korea, and and the flying that he did. And remember last time I talked about um, the unsubstantial air about American flyers in World War I, a wonderful book. Well, this is American flyers in World War II. And the sense you get, the, the sense you get, I mean, again, the writing will just knock you off your feet. I just kept underlining, 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 wonderful sentences. But the presence of death for those pilots and the gunners, you know, there's that wonderful poem by um, Randall Gerald called The Death of the Ball Turret Gunner, which is like in five or six lines, unbelievable. That's what James Salter's book is about, where he, you know, he he talks about, um, you know, he was in the same squadron with um, uh, with Buzz Aldrin and um, was it Mike White who died with Gus Grissom? Yeah, and, and you know, was friends with Mike White, or Ed White. Uh, yeah, Ed White, sorry. Um, and and just the presence of death, you know, that's who you fly with. And 
and and yet the exhilaration and the way that you you know it's the greatest thing that you can do and 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 death is always there and you have to do it insouciantly James Salter's a very lyrical writer and as a novelist he writes for the New Yorker he's really a great writer I've yeah. talked to him before and he's a very thoughtful man so that comes through yeah I I, I would I, no, not local. I would love, I wish I, you're so lucky that you got to, to talk to him. So, so I'm very excited um, about these books, and I urge, if you have any interest in, in writing or in World War II, read that James Salter. And, and um, you know, it's in paperback from um, a division of Random House. You can, it would be a wonderful Christmas gift for people who liked Unbroken, I think, you know, that kind of thing, but who... The writing is even, he's, he's not a hero. He doesn't call himself a hero at all. But they were all heroes to do what they did. Remind me, Unbroken? Unbroken is Laura Hillenbrand. Um, Unbroken that they just made into the movie um, about the uh, World War II uh, prisoner of war, Louis Zam, Zamprini. I haven't seen the film yet, but yeah. All right, look, just a little bit of finding books and the, the funk is over. Well, it's the, I, 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 I'm on a little course of prednisone, so I think that's what's... <laughs> yes, it's always good to have drugs. Um, all right, well, you know, uh, Spooner, the Brothers K, Prince of Tides, that would be a lovely three-gift set to give to your, to your loved ones. That would be fabulous, fabulous to do, yep. So tell me something, Keith Cook. What are you giving? What book are you giving to your loved ones this holiday, festive holiday season? I have not thought that through that sufficiently through on a, a gift set, but um, I'll tell you what. We're going to go around the table and ask that question, and uh, by the time we get back, somebody maybe will give something to you, Jennifer Collins, Fredericks. Uh, you thought of it. This was your idea. So what's your what's your gift set? Well, I actually kind of like atmospheric books, so. In the wintertime, I like to pick something that just reminds me of the land and the snow and just the wide open spaces. I do, for anybody that loves mysteries, I still got to say Louise Penny and her mystery set in Montreal, actually towns north of Montreal. You just, you just want to climb into that cafe where they're all by the fire and they're having these wonderful meals and they're solving these wonderful mysteries and I just love those. My personal classic, if anybody didn't have it, I also this time of year love Willa Cather and My Antonia and, and O Pioneers. And there's something about this is the time of year to read those kind of books. And it's just, you know, the blizzards and the fight with and for the land and, and feeling nice and warm and toasty by your own fire while you're seeing these little dugouts that they're living in and trying to make it work. So I, I love to go back to her. I think she's a great wintertime read. You were going to say. Oh, I was going to say, um, there's a novel by Amy Bloom called Away, which, have you read that? Opens in New York and then goes across the country to Seattle and then up to Alaska. So there's, there's that one. And then there's one other novel that if, that for your atmospheric winter thing, um, has set also actually during World War to in in the remember that book Steve we talked about it the, the only um, place in the United States that was actually invaded by the Japanese one of the one of the um, islands the Aleutians in Alaska oh, yeah, yeah yeah I can't remember what was the, there was there was a wonderful novel um, 
which I will try to remember, but the Amy Bloom book, Away, was so good. And plus it has a great Seattle connection. Um, Sarah, Hunter, what are you giving away? Well, I have three that I like to give, and they're all really different depending on who I'm giving them to. The first one is The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Sklar. That one is fun. I give that to like people like my dad, who's you know a scientific kind of person, and it's really it's fascinating, but there's also a wonderful backstory behind it, so that's always good to give. Um, I always... I love to give Unbroken just because it's just, you can't get better than that. I mean, you know, Olympian goes to war, gets shot down, survives against all odds. It's just an awesome story. And the best part is that it's real. And so that one's great. Beautifully written. The third one is just a total fantasy, but I just love it. It's called The Thirteenth Tale. And her name is, the author is Diane Satterfield. And it's just this lovely story about a woman who causes all these things to intersect and there's a great twist at the end and it's just a fun little confection so those are my three <laughs> that's very nice were you gonna did you did that i, 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 no, I no, saw no, your I eyebrows was, go up i was just nodding and I was, I was nodding in agreement and i was going to say that laura hillenbrand the author of unbroken is a woman who wrote um world Oh my gosh, the horse. Sea Biscuit. I was going to say Whirl Away. Those are horses from my childhood. So um, she also wrote Sea Biscuit. She's a, a, a really good writer, and that's a good gift, for, even for people who don't like horses. Uh, are people going to be giving? What, what's what's the book that was set in the Northwest? The Boys in the Boat. Yeah. That'll be a gift again this year. Do you think? Uh, yes, I think so. I was going to say, Judy, how, how, is there anyone left who hasn't read it yet? But not I, in I this have not area. read it. I have not read it. Oh, you. So I guess I have a lot. Yeah. I guess I had a lot. I have a lot to. Uh, I have a lot to read. Uh, yeah, I will do that. So uh, Peter Curtis, since you just sat down, no, don't don't uh, do that. I'm not giving any books. Why uh, are you not giving any books? Well, because it's not close enough to Christmas yet. And uh, I don't. You, know, you don't you know, want to be caught in the position that Mr. We, Cook here was caught. In not we we are a recent um, arrival in Seattle. I mean, seven years, but um, so we have a we participate in a lot of uh, book groups, and so the question is, um, I, I read enough books already, and they read enough books already, and um, I'm not sure giving books is a great idea for filling up the shelves of retired people's houses. Well, you, sir, are throwing a little bit of damper on the, on the holiday spirit. So, well, cool for you. You, you, you. you need all sorts, don't you? <laughs> what, about, what about Ms. Curtis? Are you going to follow his uh, path on that one? Well, even though I mostly read on my Kindle or from the library, I will give books. And you stole the boys in the boat. From me, I would give that to my son and people of his age group. For um, people in my age group, I have just read for the second time a book that I really love by Lewis Begley called Schmidt Steps Back. And it's all about um, a guy at, towards the end of his life, nearly 80. And um, 
It's a sort of commentary on people who live his kind of lifestyle and it's very, very well written. Um, there's lots of sex in it, which is interesting at that age. <laughs> so I think that's good for people of my age group. And a book that I've just um, read and I would give to people who say they don't like Henry James because you've got to read this book and love Henry James is what Maisie knew. So. I think in the United States the, the Begley book is called About Schmidt. No, this is, this this is a sequel? new one. Oh, this is the Schmidt sequel Steps to it? Back. 2009, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a Jack Nicholson movie, right? The first one? Yes. About Schmidt? Actually, there is a book I would, I would give. Uh, it's called Citizens of London. And uh, the reason, uh, two or three reasons. One, I think it's very, very educational for the younger generations to understand, if you like, the huge corridors of power that existed in which power and riches were transferred from Britain to America as a result of the war. And, and how Britain became a third-class power and America became the, the greatest power in the world. And all this was, was sort of m taking place with uh, a few characters at the top of the, the pyramid. Churchill, Roosevelt, uh, an incredible American ambassador called John Wynant, who's an unsung hero of the Second World War. Um, and so I think this is an incredibly important historical uh, book that needs to be re read by everybody because uh, I think it has a lot of relevance to what's going on these days. I knew we'd get him. I knew we'd have a book to offer. That's what happens. You guys, nothing? Nothing? I, I have uh, two standby books that I often give as gifts. Um, one of them is called, hang on, The Wild Trees, A Story of Passion and Daring by Richard Preston. Have you come across that book? It's a great read and uh, takes place in Northern California where this group of people are really exploring uh, the redwood forests. And you feel like parts of this uh, exploration, they've, they've really landed on the moon or something because they really go deep into um, exploring these trees. So it's a great uh, book, I'd say, for giving to particularly men, I think. <laughs> Um, the other great gift book I, is The Tiger, and I don't, I don't have the author's name on the top of my head, but that is a, that's also a very exciting and adventurous, adventurous read about a tiger in, um, it's like in the Siberian. Yeah, in Siberia. You know, it's by the same guy who wrote The Golden yeah, Tree. John Valent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's just a, from the first page to the last, it's, it's really a page turner. <laughs> Have you read The Golden Spruce? I have also read that. Because that's, I think that's a wonderful... That's also a that's great... A, that, that would be a good winter book for you, too, yeah. because it's... A it, great gift book. A great gift book. And then another book that I uh, just gave to my son earlier, and I haven't read it yet, but everybody's... And I think it's, it's on our book club list, is Americana. Americana. And I just keep hearing great things about it, so I'll probably give it, even though I haven't read it yet. <laughs> give it to yourself. Give it to yourself. Wrap okay. it up and put it in your okay. under in your stocking or under your tree or wherever. That's that's. We talked about that. That's that's pretty interesting. You gave it to your son. How old is your son? 
He's 23. Oh, okay. I thought maybe it was like You think it'll nine. be a good one? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it'll be a good one for him, but you know, not a nine-year-old. That'd be a thick book for a nine-year-old. Uh, that, was, that was, by the way, that was Paula Brecky said that. What about, um, what about you? Uh, Betsy Lindley. I think I was sort of on a wave of being positive, and, but I um, chose a book that Robin and I got in London in 1989, and <laughs> it's Christmas. And um, it's a scented treasury of verse and prose. And I just learned this morning why it was scented. <laughs> it was scented for the gardeners who, uh, for, for fall and winter season. So they'd have something to smell. And believe me, this really smells. Uh, I had a, a different odor. But it, oh, it's, it's literally scented. It's not just, it's literally scented. Yes. Like you're going to wave you the pages around scented. and we'll smell it. I'll just read this. It has uh, spicy notes of cloves and cinnamon and small fir cones. It is reminiscent of hot toddies and log fires and guaranteed to add a festive air. So if you stick your nose in there, can you still smell the cloves? If you purchase it brand new and in Seattle... You really have to put it far away from everyone. <laughs> it was very, very potent. Are there different scents in different pages? No. It's just one big, heavy scent. Katie, what do you read? What do you read? Well, I spent years looking for a book for my mother that was a golden book treasury of Christmas stories that she had as a child that belonged to my grandmother as a child. And she still has a copy, but all the pages are falling out, and it looks horrible. And uh, my husband took it upon himself to look for it after me just thrift storing, you know, hoping I run into it for years. And he found it uh, online, and we ordered it, and it was delivered. And now that I have it in complete copy, as it was a part of my childhood, I feel like I don't want to get rid of it. No, that's not how it goes. <laughs> so... Right now, I'm just reading it. Um, <laughs> oh, you, you haven't wrapped back. it yet? No, I haven't wrapped it yet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like a collection of games that parents can play with their children and stories where it recommends where you put your child's name over the name of the character to make it more personal. It's very nice. Yeah. I think your mom will much appreciate that. Yes. Unless she listens to this podcast, in which case yeah. she'll know. Well, you should tell her not to because <laughs> you just wrecked the whole thing. Carol, are you, are you giving anything? I, my first time to come, I did not come prepared, but I came to find books for our godchildren. So that's that's good. So clearly, you and Keith are on the same on the right. same page. I'm here writing on that one. So Judy, you? Well, I, my favorite book to give is the End of Your Life Book Club. I don't know if it is about a, a son, a mother who's undergoing chemotherapy, and her son accompanies her to the sessions. And they spend, they've all been lifetime book readers, but to keep themselves d diverted during these, um, they talk about, they read books and talk about books, but the whole, it's a wonderful book for book lovers because it, re it brings to mind and Rector describes any number of books and they can say, oh yeah, I remember that one, I really liked it. So that's one of my favorite books for readers. And then, believe it or not, there's still one or two people on the planet who haven't <laughs> read Boys in the Boat, including my sister, so I think she's going to get a copy. She 
professes to have no interest in sport, but it's not. A, it, it's only partially a sport book. It's a marvelous picture of the depression of human courage. I mean, it's, a, it's an excellent book on a number of levels. And I certainly support uh, his um, Citizens of London. It's really a fantastic book and very appropriate at this time to read, I think. Mm -hmm. So, Steve, what about you? Oh, what am I giving? I'm like, Keith, I haven't thought of it yet. I don't know. I have to get something from my son because he was not so thrilled with the last book I gave him. I gave him a book, and he said, yeah, I've read this. I know this. I know this stuff already. So I need to, oh, I might give him, since he's an economist, I think I'll give him uh, that new book by... Uh, Peter Mountford, the new, the new oh, novel, or How to Talk Money by... Well, that's Tom. what I gave him. He didn't like uh, How to Talk he, Money. Oh, no, was... I want to give him the really hard one. Uh, oh, Thomas Piketty. Yeah, there you go. Yes, we'll Capital. Him, yeah, we'll give him Piketty's book. And what's yeah. Montford's book again? Mount, about? Peter Mountford's book is a novel called The Dismal Science about an economist at the World Bank. That's right. uh, I, I, I actually very much enjoyed that novel as well. That'd be good. I'll give him that. That'll, he needs more fantasy in, in, in his life, though, but that would be good, just to, you know, just to sort of scare him. You know what you should do, Robin? You should, you should bring a chair right there. Well, I was going to ask, maybe it would be easier, Steve, what would you give your longtime producer, Katie Sewell, having spent so much time with her as a book. See, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering like, if there are people who are easier to buy for because you spend so much time with them. Well, I'm <laughs> sort of like uh, our, our colleague down there, Mr. Curtis. I sometimes don't know what to give books or don't feel good about giving books. But you know what I've been reading? A stack of how to write comedy. And, I, and one book is comedy writers of the golden age of radio and it's interviews with all these different comedy writers and how they worked with Jack Benny and and Bing Crosby and Bob Hope and yeah, you Bergen. should give that to me so I could give that to you yeah yeah and I'll right. give you a book called truth and comedy where I can't remember who wrote it but um, well as long as it's honest yeah that's all I care about it's nonfiction it's funny there is a book I know that I am giving but it's called the marshmallow test I don't know if you, it, it's by Walter Michelle, and I had, it's the person who did this famous experiment with uh, children when they were seven years old and give them, you know, put a marshmallow in front of them and see how long they can not eat that marshmallow before and, and all the implications of delayed gratification and self-control on other aspects of life. And I just recently heard an interview with him and heard that he wrote a book as opposed to all the other people talking about it. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just picturing a little kid who, you know, a 10 or 11 year old who gets that book and goes, oh, it's not for the kid. thanks. <laughs> it's not for the kid, it's, it's for the parent. <laughs> it's for the parent. So next year, uh, no candy canes for you. Robin Lindley, what are you going to give? Well, we were talking about um, African literature the last time and I had to sort of think back, but there's a book I read a few years back by Emmanuel Dongala called Little Boys Come From Stars. His writing's been compared to Garcia Marquez, and, and this is a book uh, that's really evocative. He came from the Republic of Congo, and, and it's about a, a boy in Congo during that time of transition when uh, Congo gained its freedom, and it's kind of a fun way of looking at corruption and barbarity and that sort of thing. So I think it's it got this uh, very lyrical, surreal writing style, and I think people might like that one. And, and I here's brought a, here's a fun book about barbarity for the holidays. <laughs> 
Perfect for the season, the holiday season. Or a good beach read for the summer. <laughs> yeah, don't read this until the summer. That's good. Do, open now, but don't open the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. He actually does have a great sense of humor. And I was really literal about this whole seasonal stuff, and I looked at some books about Christmas. I'm sure Nancy has lots of thoughts on this, too. Uh, Oh, I would like you to read something from, just just open up a page and read something from Snark the Herald Angels Sing, Sarcasm, Bitterness, and the Holiday Season. Yeah, this is a, I thought this is a great one for the holiday series, season, and he includes, um, and I'm afraid I was pretty literal about Christmas, too. I realize there are other holiday seasons, but here's a great quote from the satirist Ambrose Bierce. He, he defines... Uh, Christmas in the Devil's Dictionary is a day set apart and consecrated to gluttony, drunkenness, maudlin sentiment, gift-taking, public dullness, and domestic behavior. Whatever domestic behavior. Merry Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so here, this is by Lawrence Dorfman, Snark the Herald Angels Sing. Give, give me one more. Well, give me one more from that stack of books you have there. Well, this is the man who invented uh, Christmas, and it's a story of how Charles Dickens came to write the Christmas Carol. And it's fascinating, on this period, uh, Christmas Carol came out in 1843, and at the time, Christmas really wasn't celebrated in the way we think of it today, of course. And one thing that was surprising to me is that Christmas wasn't pushed by churches, but it was really commercial establishments that pushed for this uh, uh, reinvented and recreated the celebration of Christmas so they could sell things and the churches weren't really that involved in the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, why was Santa's little helper depressed? Because he had low elf esteem. <laughs> <laughs> Top 10 reasons to like Hanukkah. Number one, no roof damage from Santa and his reindeer. If you want the ultimate in holiday snark, you have to go back to David Sedaris and his little book on his, uh, what was it, Sandland Diaries. Yeah, that's a, that's a great stocking stuffer. I've done that a few times, yeah. And I was thinking you mentioned comedy writing, and I just wondered with this John Cleese book. Uh, so anyway, yeah. if he gets into the, his process. That would be a lovely gift. He, does, he, does get in, he doesn't get into his process enough, but he does get into his process. And, and mostly it's just this wandering memoir about writing comedy. That would be a fun book for any Monty Python fan. Nancy's tweeting. Oh, you tweeted the picture with all the gingerbread. Yes. That's good. People will just want to be here I know. when they see the gingerbread cookies they put up. I wanted to ask Nancy about this. Uh, Nancy last time suggested this, uh, this thriller called The Soul of Victor Tronka by David Quammen. And I picked up the book and discovered that this is one of Nancy's rediscoveries. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your rediscoveries in this book. David Quammen, Our Natural History, David Quammen had written this. And um, to me, it's the American equivalent of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is my very favorite John le Carre, which is based on the Russian, uh, the, the British events. Uh, Kim Philby, et cetera. So. So, so he's asking you, though, what's the status of Booklust Rediscoveries, a series devoted to reprinting some of the best and now out of print novels originally published between 1960 and 2000? Just to get it, you know, right. in context. Yeah, right. Um, they're all done. The Soul of Victor Tronco was number 12 
I had decided to do a dozen of them. Here's another one that somebody uh, just checked out of the library. The Girls from the Five Great Valleys by uh, um, Elizabeth Savage. Uh, and these are all just my absolutely, these are just favorite, favorite, favorite books of mine. And um, the kinds of books that you just want to hug and and give to somebody. And uh, I was a, it, was, uh, it was fun for me to pick them and it was fun for me to locate the authors and get permission to do it and all of that. So I hope you like that, Robin. Recommendation, Nancy. It looks like a lot of fun. I've only read a few pages, but thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm reading The Girls uh, from the Five Great Valleys, Elizabeth Savage, and it was great because I, it was an author I had not known, and I particularly like rediscovering some women authors. I don't know if this is a book that I would want to hug, because this woman, you know, you and I were talking, she's brutal. She is just so sharp, and she will slice through any hypocrisy, any thing that she finds to just... and you would be scared to be sitting next to her at a dinner party because you, you can't get away with anything with this author. So she's somebody that's fascinating for me to like read what, how her mind works. But hugging, I don't know. She's, <laughs> I have, I have, I'm only about a third of the way through, but it is just, she keeps you on your toes. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of like we were talking, the modern day equivalent uh, would be like the, um, what was the Bernadette book we were talking about last week? You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like she's, she's just cutting, just absolutely cutting. Yeah, I, I, what I love about Elizabeth Savage, and indeed all the twelve books in the series, is that there's so much, to, there's so many wonderful lines that you just want to underline and save, um, and, and just remember. And, and they just have been in my heart for so long. Um, and this one is set in Montana, in, in Missoula, Montana, in 1934. Um, so it gives you a very interesting picture. The other book that's in the series, the book Lust Rediscoveries by Elizabeth Savage, is called um, The Last Night at the Ritz, which is um, <laughs> which is just abs. Oh my gosh, I could talk about those books. I just love them so much. Well, you did twelve. Yes. Will there be 12 more? Are there 12 more that you want to pursue? Um, I, I'm good, we're going to do 12 children's books now. Along the same Along, theme? Yes, yes. 12, um, everything from picture books to um, books for teens. And they'll start coming out in um, January, I think, will be the first one. And it's called Not This Bear. And it's, it's written by... Um, a woman who is now, I believe, in her 90s. And my big fear was she was so excited when I found her. I thought she had died. Um, and so I was trying to get a hold of her son. And he said, no, she's still, she's still alive. And, and the book was originally published by Scholastic Press. And she said that when it was first published, it sold a million copies. And then, of course, is went out of print, and it's the simplest, funniest book about a little boy who dresses up in a bear suit, and a bear mistakes him for his cousin Julius, and takes and takes him home. Um, and then, you know, comes the big problem: is he gonna is he gonna nap for the whole winter? So it's just and, and the fact and it's so exciting that this author is going to see this book back in print. I'm just thrilled for her. That's great. That's great. Uh, any last words on books from you? Um, 
You know, if you're looking for two good board books for babies, um, uh, there's one, the two that I always give for new babies are Jamberry, J-A-M-B-E-R-R-Y, I think, and then um, Hippos Go Berserk. And, the, and those are the kinds of books that you, that you don't mind as a parent or a grandparent or a babysitter reading over and over and over again. And I, I, I just love, um, I love Hippos Go Berserk. Jamberry, a classic I read, I still read to this day. I love Jamberry. Anybody have any books they want to mention or last words on books? Last words on books. That is not the title of this podcast. No. <laughs> How about just one more book recommendation for just curling up over a book over the holidays, you know, for myself, <laughs> you know, from you, Nancy. <laughs> um, so can I give you another one from the Rediscovery series? It's, it, it, it's, this is a series, um, well, the book is called After Life. And it's by Rian, R-H-I-A-N, Ellis. And, and the first line of that book is, first, I had to get his body into the boat. And then it just goes on from there. That's just a, that's so good. And, and like, like all of them in the series, it just has a wonderful narrative voice, which is what's most important to me. But she lives on a farm in, in Ithaca, New York, and raises animals and has, I think, you know, little children. And this is her only novel. And um, I loved it. All right. You can find us, that stack of books, on the internets. You can find us on Facebook, on uh, Stitcher, on iTunes. You can also see some pictures of all of us and our books and some gingerbreads at, uh, at Twitter, at that stack. Nancy also tweeted it from her own. You guys are taking pictures, so tweet them around. Take pictures of uh, your own bookshelves or take pictures of those those little free libraries that are outside and tweet some of those. We want to see what's on the shelf. So uh, thank you all. <laughs> <laughs>